Hey, listeners, just wanted to talk to you about some exciting content that we have coming up. Our season one is winding to a close, at least for us recording these. And (laughs) we are thinking about taking some time off in January, but we don't want to leave you without laughs. Get it? Love it for screening laughs it would be like denying a plant sunshine chelsea cruel and unusual exactly so we do have a couple of bonus content episodes that'll be coming at you in january before we are back with you starting february 1st it's the first wednesday in february with season two but this is where we need your help One of our bonus episodes will be like a retrospective. We're going to look back on the films that we watched in season one. We're going to do some fun stuff. We're going to talk about the couples. We're going to talk about our discussions, the fun jokes that we've had and made along the way. Madison might share our villain origin stories, how this podcast came to be. I'm going to embellish it horribly. It's going to be a fun episode. And this is where you all come in. We would love to hear from you. So you can write in, send us an email to loveitfirstscreening at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at loveitfirstscreening. You can also go down to the bottom of any of the episodes. The last link is anchor.fm slash Love at first screening slash message where your voice can literally be heard. You can record us a voice memo and we can include it in the podcast if that's something you're interested in. And what are we looking for, Madison? Gosh, we are looking for any fixes that they would like to propose. They can tell us how we got something wrong. More importantly, they can tell us how we've done everything right as we are perfect human beings. They can propose pretty much anything as long as they don't propose to us. <laughs> I'm a commitment phobe, Chelsea. If I'm ever going to have a proposal, I'm going to be the one proposing. And, you know, for me personally, if you have any conspiracy theories about romantic comedies in general, that'll really fuel the energy that I've been going for <laughs> this whole season. I'm trying to convince people that these movies are not the feel-good films we think they are. I think there's something more sinister happening. You can help me in this noble cause by writing in, sending us a voice message. But seriously, we'd really like to hear from you. So if you're interested in contributing to that bonus episode that will premiere sometime in January when we take a little bit of time off before season two, please send us an email, a DM, or the voice message by Sunday, December 18th. And if you are sending us a message, a written, please let us know if you would like any of your identifying information included, whether that is a first name, full name, social security number, your bank routing and account number, Uh, We can air any of that or air none of it if you would rather. And if you are leaving a voice message, uh, please know that that gives us license to play it on the air and remix it so it sounds like a cool hit pop song. Which we totally have the skills to do. I'm a mix and master. That's not true. I had to Google the other day. How to match volumes in tracks. 
I was just impressed I knew how to Google. It's honestly a skill that's in short supply these days. I've been trying to teach my grandmother how to copy and paste for years. But in all, please keep in mind that your deadline is December 18th. We really would love to hear from you. Uh, Love to hear what you can contribute. So if you would like, please do. And now into the episode. And welcome back to Love at First Screening, the show where I, rom-com enthusiast Madison, introduce my friend, co-host, and resident genre skeptic Chelsea. That's me. To all the feel-good. Cliché. Romantic. Questionable. Hilarious. Occasionally humorous. Films she's never wanted to watch. Hey, Madison. Hey, Chelsea. Reporting live from a closet here. Oh my god, Chelsea, you should never be in the closet if you don't have to be. I didn't say I was in the closet. I said I was in a closet. That's very different. Perfect. You know, it's a difference of articles. Definite versus indefinite. Yep. It's a very important distinction. It definitely an indefinite situation. I will be leaving this closet after we're done. <laughs> Madison, how do you cut a sandwich? Like, which direction do you cut a sandwich in? That's one of the most controversial things you could ask me on here, Chelsea. Oh my god. Okay, so this is a really personal question you just asked me, but I'll tell you, I cut it straight down the middle into like rectangles. I don't do diagonal. We thought it was going to be when Harry met Sally that did this podcast in, but apparently you're a sociopath who cuts their sandwich right down the middle? You do know that Marissa will no longer hang out with you when she hears this information. She literally just told our nephew that only sociopaths cut their sandwiches down the middle. Okay, but I want to redeem myself. First, I'm a bougie lady. I am very luxurious when it comes to my food. So I'm not typically buying like your standard Wonder Bread. Either I'm making it myself or I'm buying like the White Mountain Bread or sourdough loaf where the pieces are bigger. So either I don't cut it at all or I cut it like that because the bread is so big that that actually creates a more evenly spaced sandwich cut down the middle. I guess you're going to have to demonstrate this the next time we're in the same city because honestly, I'm I'm feeling very unsafe hosting a podcast with you. I mean, if I'm being completely candid, I don't actually usually cut my sandwiches. I would have felt better if you had started with that. Yeah, I, I guess I should have led with that. Everyone tuned out the minute I said I cut it just straight down the middle and not at a diagonal. They were like, nope, this is a felony. And they bounced because they didn't want to become accessories. What are you, a criminal? I would like to uh, call my lawyer, please. Suspicious. I have at least eight lawyers numbers in my phone right now actually nine i have nine attorneys numbers in my phone there's no no need to brag chelsea i i'm assuming that you cut a sandwich like a normal person i do diagonally listeners you know this is a bit ahead of time but just write in and please tell me how i'm so wrong and how i should be convicted and how I'm what's ruining the country and the world. I'm probably the cause of uh, climate change with how I cut my sandwiches. But Chelsea, you know what else is the cause of climate change? Other than 
corporations and billionaires and just general exploitative practices of mining and drilling for fossil fuels, boats. And that brings us to today we are watching Failure to Launch. Did you like how I launched into that? Really, really great. It's like you're a professional. Someone please confirm that I'm a professional. We both are. You know what, Chelsea, I confirm that you're a professional. If you'll confirm that I'm a professional. Yeah. Then if we're both professionals, they have to pay us. Do you hear that, potential advertisers? I actually, Chelsea, I didn't tell you this because I was waiting to tell you on the air. I actually went on to our Love at First screening Gmail and sent a little email a Rooney to a mattress company's press team to see if they wanted to sponsor our podcast. You did not. I did. I was like, hello, I would like to inquire about how we can become partners with you and your mattress company. What? (laughs) Okay, I might have been a little bit tipsy when I did this, allegedly. Oh my God, I'm looking at the email right now. (laughs) This is insane. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, I want nothing more than for them to respond to this email. Oh my god. That's my greatest hope and wish right now. I can't believe you waited to tell me about this. I was like, should I consult with Chelsea first? And then I was like, I think it'd be funnier if I did it and then told her about it. And then I was like, you know what? Why keep the humor to myself? And why not surprise you on air? I honestly, it feels like Christmas came early. I, this is. Wow. (laughs) You know what? You might cut your sandwiches like a sociopath, but you send emails like a real friend. Tell us about Failure to Launch. I would love nothing more. Here is the dealio. Failure to Launch is about a 35-year-old man-child named Trip, played by Matthew McConaughey. He refuses to move out of his parents' house. His parents, at their wit's end, bring in expert Paula, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Through her multi-step plan of great dates, faked tragedy, winning over his friends, and increasing his manly self-esteem. However, Tripp's commitment-phobe tendencies threaten Paula's tried-and-true methodology. It turns out Tripp was previously engaged, but his fiancée Amy died. Bradley Cooper's character spills the beans on the ruse, and Tripp confronts Paula and his parents. Realizing the pair actually loved each other, Their friends hatch a plot to have them make up by tying Trip to a chair and locking them in a room together. We get free Matthew McConaughey feed pics in the romantic gesture as he rolls his way to her still bound to the chair and they kiss. They quite literally sail off into the sunset and he makes friends with a dolphin instead of getting mauled by it and his parents are able to enjoy their alone time again. And Chelsea, this movie was also directed by Tom Day, who was not really notably known for much of anything else, to my knowledge, other than Marmaduke. Marmaduke? Yeah, the 2010 movie about a dog. This one was just classic, wacky McConaughey in his rom-com phase, and Sarah Jessica Parker, I believe in the midst of her Sex in the City era, if not right 
after it. I know that Sex and the City at least went through 2003 because my mom made my father wait to go to the hospital when she was in labor with my little sister because she wanted to finish the episode of Sex and the City that they were watching. I mean, that's a woman who has priorities. She had already shoved out two kids beforehand. She knows when it's time to go and when it's time to watch Carrie pick the wrong man. I was team Aiden. I know nothing about Sex and the City. But Aiden is the name of my nephew and he's adorable. In fact, he's probably listening to this right now because he wears his Wednesday socks and he listens to Auntie Chelsea's Love at First Screening every Wednesday like a real champ. I'm really nervous to say anything else that will ever come out of my mouth now because I don't want to expose a child to myself. It's okay. He's like between four and five months old. He's not going to remember anything. Oh, so we can we can still say fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so Chelsea, right off the bat, I don't actually think that you hated this movie. Obviously, it's not going to be a go-to, but I'd say that it was all right for you. It had some good funny moments. The romance was a little weird and twisted and creepy. You probably didn't like that part, but I feel like you did like Zoe Deschanel. I loved Zoe Deschanel. And if this movie had not had Zoe Deschanel, I think I would have not liked it at all. I only laughed when she was on screen. Kit was incredible. I hated Matthew uh, McConaughey's character. As you should. I did not understand the romance. And honestly, I feel like I'm having a little bit of an existential crisis about romance. Because we've watched so many of these at this point, and I'm, why do any of these people like each other? I don't get it. Very few times have I, like, understood why these characters have paired up. That's a great point. It mostly just feels like the characters are self-aware enough to understand that they are in a romantic comedy plot, and people are expecting them to at least kiss on screen once, and so they do it. because it's their job but then fade to black they're never going to talk again because like they don't have anything in common i don't know those are my feelings you can fight me on it does love exist in a fictional universe unclear well of course it does because casey mcquiston continues to write this movie felt to me like a classic example of the manic pixie dream girl Absolutely. And I think it's really well underscored by how many times SJP squeal screams, which is her signature. I've never met someone who can make that sound quite like she can. I just feel like we're making a lot of excuses for grown men. Constantly. And I don't love it. Absolutely. In watching this, all I could think was, wow, a movie all about weaponized incompetence. Look, I wasn't viscerally angry. Like, we have watched movies that have made me want to punch my TV and not even care that I won't be able to replace it. (laughs) We have also watched movies that I thought were the most boring thing ever. This was neither of those. It was me just being annoyed most of the time, unless Zoe Deschanel was on screen, at which point I was like, oh, yes, please tell me more. Yeah, I mean, just out the gate, the premise of this is you have a... 35 year old who has 
never lived away from home is kind of the implication. Which is weird because he was engaged. Yeah, yeah. So this is really interesting because up until you find out about his fiance, the implication is that he's 35 and he's lived at home his whole life. Okay, she's helping these people that have yet to grow up, have yet to leave the nest, a mockingbird nest, if you will. And then the minute she finds out about Amy, it's like all of a sudden everything changes. But I don't get that because it would be different in how this film has treated living at home with your parents up until this point if he had been living elsewhere and he maybe moved back in with his parents because he was having a hard time after his fiance died. Instead, it seems like having tragedy in his romantic life somehow gives him license to let his mom do literally everything for him. Yeah, I mean, she does his laundry. She cleans up his space and buys snacks for him and his friends like they're teenagers. He's completely catered to it's clear in his actions that he's very entitled like the first breakfast scene like he takes the paper from his father and then in the scene where Kathy Bates after they've hired Paula is like oh you actually have to do all this thing he asks her for like chips and she's like well you could go to the store and buy some and also I didn't get around to your laundry so you're gonna have to do that and you're gonna have to clean your bathroom and he's just like dumbfounded and I think it's Bradley Cooper's character that's like what's wrong with your mom the confusion of like, wait, you mean I, an adult human, have to take care of myself? And like, I want to be clear. I think that this movie is definitely poking fun at people that are not independent in the sense that they are financially able to put a roof over their head, which you and I both know, like, rent is ridiculous. There's lots of reasons why a person would be living with their parents. And I don't think living with your parents is a bad thing necessarily. What I do think is a bad thing is the way he treats his family. Mm -hmm. It's very clear that the reason he's not leaving is not because he isn't capable of providing for himself. I mean, look at his fucking car. He clearly makes enough money that, yeah, he might not be able to have a McMansion like his parents do, but he could definitely have his own place. The reason he doesn't is because, like, his parents do everything. Like, he doesn't yeah. do anything. He doesn't contribute in any way. And so I feel like it's too simple to say that it's immature for someone to be living with their parents. I think the immaturity comes from the fact that this person doesn't do anything for his family. Yeah. He just expects everything to be done for himself. I was really frustrated because I was like, this is really simplifying uh, an issue. The issue is not that these grown men are living at home. The issue is that they are acting like children. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the idea of a lot of guys will grow up with their mom catering to them or their dad cater, both of them catering to them. Caretaker, we'll just say a caretaker, you know takes care of everything that they want, need, etc. And then let's say they go off to college and everyone talks about like the MRS degree of women going to college to find husbands. I actually find that more often than not, it's men finding wives and being like, I can't live without you. Because as soon as they get married, suddenly he has a built-in mom again. 
where he has someone to cook for him and clean for him and do his laundry, etc. I mean, I saw this video the other day. It was like a stitched TikTok where it was a woman critiquing this guy's video. And it was like, guys, make her life easier. Put your laundry in the hamper and do your dishes and pick her up something from the store that she didn't ask for. Now, I am all for getting uh, specifically usually mini M&Ms bought for me from the store when I don't ask for them. That's my niche. But that's not making her life easy. That's doing shit you should already be doing. And so I, I really do hate the character. And well, I will say that the guy that Zoe Deschanel's character ends up hooking up with, he's the least bad out of the trio. But Bradley Cooper's character, one, I want it noted that I will, by any means, avoid ever watching a Bradley Cooper film where he is the male protagonist on this podcast because you know how sometimes you just have like weird vendettas against actors who might be perfectly fine people. I don't know anything about him in terms of, you know, his personal whatever, but I just don't fucking like Bradley Cooper. It's like my sister and uh, Anna Kendrick. She's like, I don't have a good reason. I just don't like her. I have I have a good handful of actors, usually male actors, who I just won't watch, just refuse. And then there are some that I will hunt down to the ends of the earth to watch their filmography. Chris Pine, if you're listening, drop me a line. Also, because I mentioned this scene earlier, when Kathy Bates is like basically telling him, you're going to have to do all of these chores uh, instead of me doing them for you. When she starts to say like, oh, I know you needed your basketball shorts. I put them in the laundry. And so he just assumes that she's done it. He says, thanks, babe, to his mother. Ew. Which is weird. That's a weird thing to say to his mom. But also coming from her son feels demeaning. Mm-hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That made me so angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then, okay, so let's. Let's go along, you know, the same sort of lines. Sarah Jessica Parker's character in this is quite literally the I can fix him woman. And I hated that. At first I was like, hell yeah, girl, make that bread. But then as it goes on, I'm like, women are already so often seen as like the built-in caretaker in a relationship and her whole job is essentially the way she describes it is like a self-esteem coach ma'am they don't need to fake date you they need therapy yeah yeah yeah. no that that's my whole thing like her whole business is it's like this manipulative way of catering to men's fragile fragile egos it's like they they don't need the kitty gloves what they need is to be a responsible human, take care of themselves, and go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, obviously recognizing that therapy is not super accessible to many, many communities of people, but these are all white men. Like, I'm sorry, the door is 
wide fucking open. They're white men of means. They can get themselves to therapy and they need to do so. Well, and usually it's like their parents paying for it. That's her whole service dynamic is it's not that these men are seeking her out to be like, help me improve my self-esteem or fake date me so I know how to interact with women, which also she does not teach them how to properly interact with women because she's you know, telling them, oh my God, you're so amazing when they're doing the bare fucking minimum. Well, so this is my other point about them being in a relation or a romance in the end. Her role has been a paid role to pretend to be his girlfriend, where she basically says in the meeting with his parents that she's just going to parrot back to him or any other client, whatever they want to hear. It's all about making them feel good about themselves. And I'm not trying to say that in a relationship, you shouldn't make your partner feel good about themselves, but it should be reciprocated. And it's clearly not being here. And also, it's not genuine. Like these are not things she's genuinely interested in. Like that would be one thing, but but she's not. And so then it's like, all of a sudden she loves him and I'm like, were you not lying? I don't know. It's not clear to me. I don't feel like she, it, I feel like, okay, if it just so happened that she really likes this guy who happens to be a client because he does have uh, hobbies or interests that align with her and the things she likes to do, we should see that in her conversations with Zoe Deschanel. All we see in her conversations with Zoe Deschanel is that he's cute. But you want to know what? There are plenty of cute people. I have met plenty of cute assholes, okay? Like, <laughs> That's so true. A person's face does not mean that they are good people that you actually want to spend time with, okay? Mm-hmm. They might have piercing eyes, a piercing gaze, but behind those hazel eyes, to quote Kelly Clarkson... <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> empty. Empty, soulless sociopath cutting their sandwiches right down the middle. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. And not just because I have uh, dark green eyes and cut my sandwiches down the middle. To the movie's credit, I will say that after the paintball scene, when she's talking with Zoe Deschanel... She's like, you know, if I actually had a dog that died, this this could actually be fun enough to take my mind off of it. And she seems to be having fun on their date where they go sailing. But again, the whole time, what really got me is so she's asking him questions or at least seeming interested in his hobbies and his friends and what they do. And we don't really see many dates where they are would have the ability to be actively engaged in conversation in a meaningful way. But he never asks her anything about herself. Like, I think the one question that I caught him asking was, oh, well, what do you do? And she said, I teach special needs, which I'm like, mm, that's cheeky, but I don't know if I care for that tongue in cheek comment. But he knows nothing about her other than apparently both of them are great in the sack. Also, how awkward is it? That scene where they are rendezvousing upstairs and his dad's like staring at the ceiling and Kathy Bates is like, don't stare. And he's like, I paid for it. I'll stare if I want to. I hated that. I guess my thing is, and I I get that this is her job and if she can't I I don't know how she has her business set up so I don't know 
Like, are they paying her? And if it doesn't work, she has to give the money back or they she doesn't get paid. I don't know any of that. So I know that. But regardless, there is a real risk if he doesn't work out, even just yeah. from the perspective of this is one person she couldn't help, you know, and people like reviews, you know, they like good ratings. Right. So clearly she needs this to work because it's her job. But she, the reason she's found out is because she's seeing another client. So it seems like she's got more than one gig going on at a time. So that would lead me to believe that if this did fall through, that maybe it would be okay. And to me, if he's going to break up with her because he's a commitment phobe and she gave him the look, then maybe she just needed to let him go. And I know that doesn't work for the movie to work out the way it did. I'm just saying, like, because at that point, does that make her a sex worker? <laughs> like, I, I know. That feels very murky. That feels like a very murky situation. I said earlier that this is classic manic pixie dream girl. But is she actually a manic pixie dream girl if that is, like, she was being paid to perform that position? Mm -hmm. That's my question for you, Madison. Because the whole idea of a manic pixie dream girl is like this beautiful, vibrant woman who comes into this man's life and helps him learn things about himself and change and grow. But at no point does she get anything out of the situation or do we know anything about her? And we really don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm being a little bit antagonistic in, in this question but <laughs> I, I just was like she's being paid to perform a service not that I'm faulting manic pixie dream girls they were mostly created by men to fluff their own egos yeah but I don't know in that sense I'm I, I kind of was like I don't know if she totally fits the bill it's a weird blurring of lines but I just like to think of her as an entrepreneurial manic pixie dream girl like she's aware that that is going to be her lot in life and says you know what let me make this capitalism also I understand him having feelings especially because at the time that he finds out that his parents have hired this woman to pretend to be his girlfriend with the goal that he'll move out he's made it past his usual let me take you home so you know I live with my parents so that you'll you'll break this off and I don't have to feel like an asshole. So cowardly. It's cowardly. And also it's like, it's like, so he can enjoy being the victim. Like, oh, well, they, oh, it's their problem. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, but you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Because if you actually cared about this person, and I'd like to point out, since we know he had this fiance six years ago, as far as we know, he still lived at home. I'm sure he had to talk with that, about that with her. So... There's a way to approach this subject that isn't like, let me just bombard you with my parents' existence in my space, which is just so shitty. But anyway, so I, I understand that he had gotten past that with Paula and perhaps he was feeling a certain way that he hasn't allowed himself to feel in a while. I understand him being upset, okay? People are entitled to their emotions. But he's so shitty about it. I have conflicting views because like I sort of get it. I get him being mad, but I'm also like, just tell your kid to move out. Communicate? Yeah, 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 exactly. Communicate. <laughs> Be honest with people. Let's not just manipulate them so that they do what we want and we never have to. Look, I'm bad at using my words. Madison knows this firsthand. 
But you got to use your words. And none of these adults used their words. I think what also really bothers me, because it goes back to the issue of he clearly doesn't really respect his parents with his actions, is I think if I were his parents, I would genuinely be like hurt or bothered or offended if I was the go-to way to break things off with someone. I know that the general implication is not there's something wrong with his parents, but he's trying to allude to the fact that there may be something wrong with him, that he's still living with them. But I just, I don't like the idea of him weaponizing his parents who wait on him like they are his servants to cause rifts in relationships that he's done with feels rude it does and i first thought that the parents were trying to get him to move out by walking in on him i thought they were unaware of the fact that he is purposefully doing this Mm -hmm. so the fact that they're aware of it this is just another way in which they are enabling him oh yeah and i mean think about also how creepy and gross that is like the first time that we meet him and he's with a girl and has his dad walk in on them like mid don't even remember in what state of undress they may have been in But that's so uncomfortable on multiple levels to like have that planned. It's really icky. And I'm glad that he got injured by multiple animals. Animals are excellent judges of character. And he was found wanting. In fact, he was found in the need of a little ass whooping. It's true. And that's why he got bitten by a chipmunk. He got bitten by a lizard. He got bit by a dolphin. Also, I wanted to say that I'm really glad that there was no animal death in this movie because I could not remember if the bird lived or died. I just remember them shooting it and I was like, well, I don't want to be on the shit list with grandma, but I'm ready to take one for the team. It all comes back to birds with this podcast. Do you think we're sponsored by them and we don't know it? I did see a feather on the sidewalk this morning. Is that a sign? If you subscribe to the notion that birds aren't real, maybe we're actually being surveilled by the government because our podcast is just too good as a national security risk. That tracks. Okay, I would like to take this time to talk about Kit because she was the best part about this movie. I am convinced that she is a lesbian. Change my mind. It was 2006, so clearly they just couldn't have queer folks uh, on screen, even in a supporting role. You know what I mean? It was just too much, too much for our fragile society. But no, Zoe Deschanel is everything. I love a grumpy woman. I do too. I absolutely love a grumpy woman. Look, I think Zoe Deschanel at this point, most people will know her from New Girl and Jess is this very bubbly, quirky, marches to the beat of her own drummer. And look, I love Jess, okay? Love her. But Zoe Deschanel in this role, and the only one that I could think of that was similar is she she was in Elf mm-hmm. with Will Ferrell where she was Jovi, who was also kind of grumpy and skeptical they're not the same character, but they, you know, their their demeanor's a little bit similar. I love a grumpy woman because I aspire to be a grumpy woman. A woman that doesn't feel the need to make those around her comfortable. She's just gonna do and say the things that she wants to. That is 
honestly so, so admirable. Like her beef with the mockingbird, which is obviously a point of of comedy. Like, so Trip comes over to pick Paula up for a date and she like says hi to him, but like in a very like, not in a like, oh, hey, nice to see you. She's like, hey there. And then she goes straight into her beef with this mockingbird because she doesn't care about Trip. She's just like, this is what's on my mind and you've entered my home. So you're going to listen to me talk about this. I love a woman with a beef. I honestly, I felt like Kit was me that time that someone misused the word flabbergasted. They used it like transitive verb. And I was like, absolutely not. It's it's not. And I lost an afternoon because Miriam Webster says it's a transitive verb, but in the sentence they use it, it's a compliment to the be verb. And look, I know that there are many people on there that are like, what the fuck is Chelsea talking about? Madison and I had to go through advanced grammar. (laughs) So the fact that I'm having a crisis about this, but anyway, but I felt that way. Watching the energy that Kit has about this mockingbird is the energy I felt that day. So I still have a beef with Miriam Webster, one of the grudges I'm I'm holding. I think that's a perfect grudge. I love Kit so much. There's another scene where she's like, oh, I met a guy today. He's a radiologist. He's giving me a full body scan, which then Paula's like, oh, that's very probably She's like, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Everything about her energy is screaming angry lesbian to me. And so that's why that's where that's where I'm at. OK, change my mind. But I think it's so funny because if she's just out here and the men that hit on her because men love to hit on lesbians, men love what they can't have. <laughs> So you know what? She's like, fine, you want to you want to take me uh, you want to give me a full body scan free of charge? Fine. And then we'll just go our separate ways because I'm not interested. That's my opinion. Here's the thing, Chelsea. If a man told me right now, Madison, if you go on one date with me, I will give you I mean, fuck, let's keep it to. Hey, Madison, I will give you an MRI on your cervical spine, both of your shoulders and your left knee. I'd go on that date. Do you know how much that would cost normally? So much money. I've worked in personal injury, you know, civil law for going on three years now. MRIs are not cheap, Chelsea. So if a man looked me in the eyes right now and was like, I want to tell you about the obvious herniations in your neck. Amazing. Absolutely, I'll go on a date and I'll pay for your meal. That means that we're going to like the Olive Garden, but I'll buy his meal if he gives me even just, you know, upper body and my left knee scanned. Yeah. And look, I know that obviously I've said I think she's an angry lesbian and I think that would have just improved an already incredible character because that's the energy she's giving me and her ending up with the pale man doesn't make any sense. But my issue with that guy... It's not any of the flaws that the film seems to think that he has. My biggest problem with Ace is that he's wearing inappropriate footwear to paintball. And this is a pet peeve of mine. Let me tell you, I've been with my friends on dating apps and they're scrolling through and there's these men and they're at the gym, which is stupid anyway. Like, who the fuck cares? But anyway, they're at the gym and then you're looking at this photo and he's holding this giant weight in his fucking socks. That is not the appropriate footwear to work out in. So do you know what that tells me? It tells me that you are irresponsible. You are (laughs) reckless. I'm not wasting my time on you. This is a PSA for anyone who dates men. If you are on apps, 
they're at the gym or doing any sort of activity and they are wearing the incorrect footwear, the wrong footwear for said activity, you do not need to waste your time on them. That is a red flag. It's true. I will say that, Chelsea, there's this one woman that we actually went to uh, college with. She regularly posts pictures of herself, like, you know, gym gains and sort of stuff. But it's very tasteful. Like, it's clearly like a, you know, point of pride, personal progress sort of thing. And uh, as she would put it, she and the other uh, muscle mommies, not fucking around. They're not lifting weights in their socks because they value their feet. They value their toes. And they're not going to do that. So I completely agree that you got to keep it. It's 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 worse than the dead animal pics. You know, the guys who are like, look, I shot this deer, which I hate seeing pictures of that. I don't want to see. I see enough dead deer on the side of the fucking road. Like, I don't need to see you with a gun next to a dead deer and being like, look, I shot this and now I'm going to eat it. Uh, or, and the fish. Uh, Great. You have a fish. There's this one, there was this one TikTok account that I followed. It was just dedicated to this chick rating guys fish pics. It was like, I think that's a nice fish. That's, that's awesome. Or I think your fish is too small, or I don't think you're holding that fish well. And it was really motivating, but yeah, no, he's absolutely reckless. Who the fuck wears... Because he's having to run, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, beyond getting shot in the foot, because that's gonna hurt and did hurt, you know, clearly like a motherfucker. But you have to run. You can't fucking run in flip-flops. And I paid attention, because I was like, fine. Benefit of the doubt. They were still setting up. Maybe he was gonna change his shoes. Although I think that's stupid, but fine. No, he doesn't. He was wearing the sandals while they were playing paintball, and I was like, this is why he doesn't deserve kit. (laughs) It is for this reason. Do not wear the wrong footwear for activities where you need to wear appropriate footwear for the activities you are participating in. And that is, that's just, that's a fact. I'm sorry. I'm like very angry that he wore sandals. Kit also brings the redeeming factor of Kit is the only reason why this film passes the Bechdel test to bring that back around because that bitch is always going on about that damn mockingbird and we love her for it. I could watch a whole movie of her just angry trying to get at that bird like she's a comic strip like it has comic strip energy kid is honestly the hero of this movie she is who's the real villain uh trip clearly although i will say that um still feel like bradley cooper's kind of a villainous sidekick and really it just comes down to my staunch dislike of bradley cooper trip is the villain but ace and demo um excuse me uh it's demo demo yeah i'm assuming it's probably short for like demolition or something like that all right well ace and demo are his minions well chelsea i feel like the answer is actually pretty easy and pretty clear but is this movie a rom-com i guess so let's break it down first and foremost do they date obviously because that's literally the whole point of the plot Build him up enough to be a person that doesn't rely on his mother and moves out of the house. Yeah, um, they definitely date. I'm going to jump to the next question. Did we laugh? 
because of Zoe De Chanel, yes. Yes. But even in the scenes without her character, I can see where jokes were uh, attempted. So there was intentional humor. A lot of physical comedy. Yeah, definitely. Finally, is love in the driver's seat? Is the romance what is propelling the story forward? Yeah. I I mean, most of this is about getting tripped to be an adult, but they're doing that through romance. And then after you find out about his tragic backstory, it's then Paula realizing her feelings and trying to make things right. And then after the big blow up, both of them moping around and that you have to get them back together because otherwise there can't be a resolution. Yeah, I also felt like the moping was really downplayed. But I will say, Chelsea, that I did like how they all came together to get them to be in the same room because I specifically like how they did it. And if I ever needed to be brought back together and my friends wanted to orchestrate that, this is how I would want them to do it. I would obviously want to be locked in a nice basement, open a closet, and see my significant other ex tied to a chair with a sticky note on his forehead and duct tape over his mouth. Nothing says romance like that. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, I don't think that any of my exes would like that. And actually, most of them, I would just leave them in the closet. Actually, so my being in a closet is actually very on theme. It is. Oh, my God. You're reenacting the role of Matthew McConaughey. I'm also tied up, so it's been very difficult. I had to help have the the dog help me turn everything on. Oh, my God. I mean, our sponsors do insist that we are chained to our microphones. But don't worry about us, guys, because they do provide us one square meal a day. At least you have the dogs. I have a... Tiny pumpkin, which I love. And um, I have a few gargoyles ward off the evil spirits like being haunted by all my exes. I could be wrong about this. Didn't Matthew McConaughey do a movie where he was being haunted by an ex? Yes. I don't think I ever saw it, but I feel like it was like a spoof on uh, A Christmas Carol. It is. I do actually really like Matthew McConaughey as an actor because I was once told and uh, have since come to the conclusion that they are correct that the first season of True Detective is one of the best seasons of television ever created. So and he was great in that. It's interesting, right? So we're talking about this was definitely him in his like rom-com era. Like he was doing a lot of rom-coms and he had a memoir come out a couple years ago. And I feel like BookTube, the YouTube channel that they would have a lot of authors on, he was interviewed and he said that he made the decision to like take a break from acting because he he could not get other roles like he was pigeonholed and see, seen as such a rom-com actor. Like nobody took him seriously and they didn't want to hire him for other jobs. So he had to basically not work and then come back like it had been so long since anybody saw him in anything that then they were willing to hire him. And since then, I mean, did, he won an Oscar, didn't he? So like, I mean, he's done other stuff. Well, I mean, so you have him uh, in Dallas Buyers Club. You have him in True Detective. He's done some very serious roles. He didn't, I think, I'm trying to remember when it came out because it is an older movie. It might have been 
before this. Um, I can't remember, and I can't remember what the movie was called, but he was in another serious sort of like psycho thriller movie as well. Um, so he's played some very serious roles, but I would say that definitely during this era of his career, he was very much typecast. And I think a lot of that has to do with he checks off a lot of the boxes for being conventionally attractive, but he has that extra tweak of something that thwarts the convention as well. Well, Madison, I I really don't have any fixes for this. Mostly because I just think it's it's fine. Like, it is what it is. I wasn't... Like, the things I'm mad about are, like, the whole movie. Like, you just have to change the whole thing. Uh, I guess my one and only fix would be what I said earlier. I think they shouldn't have been a coward, and I think they should have made Kit a lesbian. Or queer. Okay, she doesn't have to specifically be a lesbian, but she should have been queer. It's true. So, I do actually have some fixes for this movie. First and foremost, I think that instead of them posing it as he's just always lived at home, I want them to say, you know, he's 35 and he's lived at home for the last six years. Have him have that gap of when he was, you know, off in school, making his way through whatever... And then he meets Amy and they date and maybe they live together and they get engaged. They also never talk about how she died. Just flesh out the tragic backstory a bit more because it would make him more likable. It feels like such an afterthought. It's literally just giving him license to be an asshole. And look, I feel for you, dude. Losing people is hard. Mm -hmm. I don't want to downplay that, but it doesn't give you license to be a dick. And, like, that's literally the purpose of his tragic backstory is just to be like, oh, well, everything he's doing is fine. Yeah. Because he's sad. No, it's not. Take responsibility for your goddamn behavior. Exactly. Yeah. So I want him to do more around the house. I, I basically, I don't want him to be the freeloader that he is. I just want them to be like, oh, he's stuck in a pattern. Like, yeah, we like having him around the house because he's helpful. You know, he mows the lawn or maybe he cooks or does, so, you know, whatever. You know, he is actually a household contributor. I also instead of them just like meeting by happenstance or whatever, I think it would be cuter to say like my friend so-and-so's daughter or niece niece would be good because you know that would increase the likelihood that they haven't met before and say yeah this is so-and-so's niece you know she's new to the area will you show her around you could even have the same paid aspect because that would change the movie too much to not have that but have it be more him getting out of the house to spend time with someone rather than it being a deliberate romantic plot. And then you can have the relationship build and have her go and say, you know, hey, I don't feel comfortable accepting your money. I really like hanging out with him. I want to take this, you know, more seriously. And then you can have one of his dickhead friends overhear it or something. Like maybe one of the dickhead friends really likes her too. And so he's trying to sabotage the relationship because the whole, you know, if I can't have her, no one can angle of it all. I think that would make all of the characters a lot more endearing and would make the romance make a lot more sense. Because the romantic plot, to me, it also doesn't really make sense. The types of guys that she's doing this with are the types of guys who 
probably a huge reason why they're staying home is because they feel like they can't live independently. And so wouldn't the logical conclusion if they decide to move out of their parents' home would be to move in with her and say like, hey, we should get a place together. So that wouldn't work because obviously she's not going to get a place with these guys. You know, she's being paid to fake date them or whatever. So I would say that if we can flesh out that maybe it's just been like a six year slump for him and maybe we don't have to have that explained either. You know, maybe her whole thing can be like, oh, you know, no questions asked. And then it comes out that he lost his fiance. It was very tragic. I think overall that would make the story a lot better. Uh, but we are keeping everything, every ounce of Zoe Deschanel's story with the exception of inappropriate footwear blad. I also want really angsty barista. Mm-hmm. and have her be like oh my god this dumb fucking suit came in today and literally ordered a latte no milk something like that and have her have these stories about work and it because she there was briefly moments where she like it, i think she worked at like a cheesecake factory or something like that I can't, or tgi fridays i think it was but we can we can still keep basically all her story. I don't think she works at TGI Fridays. She works at an office and they were going to TGI Fridays. Oh, okay. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's like we don't really know what she does. But you know what? That's important. You know, somebody recently said why we're we're so defined by our work positions. My one friend started asking people instead of like, what do you do? She's like, what do you do to survive capitalism? I love that so much. I'm going to steal that and adopt that. I've been just picking up phrases lately that I just want to mesh into my daily life because they amuse me so much. That will be one of them. Another one was this one chick was like, yeah, anytime I see something chaotic, like, you know, I'm driving by a car wreck or you just see something wilder that feels a bit unmanageable. You just go, and that's jazz. (laughs) And... I don't know if I mentioned it on the pod. I stole something uh, from Tyler Gesa, a.k.a. Ghost Honey, on Twitter and TikTok. And he also has his own pod. And he tweeted something the other day. And he was like, that's so brave of me. You've actually brought this up on the podcast before. Okay. Yeah, no, I just love that. I genuinely think that people, when doing mundane things that they don't want to do, you just say, that was so brave of me built you up so you know that's jazz well what's uh what are we gonna rate this movie madison that's a great question chelsea i love that question i've been kind of grappling with this because just the more that we talked about it the more that i really hated the characters in this movie other than of course our beloved kid but I don't want to knock it fully down to a two because there were some really good comedic scenes. I think on the basis of Zoe alone, it doesn't feel fair. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel and Zoe Deschanel alone is the reason I'm not giving this a straight two. I'm going to give it a 2.5. So we're somewhere between Backroads Barbecue and Strip Mall in Suburbia. I think we're at a roadside diner with a gas station gift shop. I love that. Yes, maybe like um, how NFA Burger in Dunwoody is in a Chevron, but you put that not in Dunwoody. Like you make it rural. 
and it's not an NFA burger. It's like barbecue that's either going to slap or give you food poisoning, but it doesn't matter because you're just fueling up both your car and your body. So yeah, I would say this falls very easily into 2.5 territory. Great. Perfect. So glad we agree. I know. We, that was just so natural. We're really in sync here. I think we've only had differing ratings on two films up until this point. So. Wow. I think really you just talked me into realizing that some of the movies that I've loved previously are absolute shit. I'd like to think, Chelsea, that I am bringing concepts of romance and love into your life and you are slowly stripping them out of mine. And it's mutually beneficial, you know? I become more realistic. We're both growing as people. Speaking of growing, if you like what you're hearing, you can help us grow our pod pod. (laughs) By following us online on Twitter at The Laughs Pod. That's T H E L A F S P O D. Also on Instagram at Love at First Screening, where every Thursday you can vote in our poll where we ask such hard hitting questions as In Fair Verona, would you rather store brand Stanley Tucci or name brand Stanley Tucci? Which, unanimously, everyone decided name brand Stanley Tucci only. Although, Chelsea, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, in this economy, can any of us afford name brand Tucci? We cannot. We will have to settle for Bradley Whitford. I think I can do that. Settle for me. Darling, just settle for me. Oh my God. How did you know what my tramp stamp says? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That was some great self-deprecation right there. (laughs) Yeah. Gold star. Thank you. Oh goodness. Well, Chelsea, do you think that, um, do you think that we should tell them what we're doing next time absolutely well chelsea i hope that you had your fill of this week's three named sarah miss sjp sarah jessica parker because next week we will also have another three named sarah i know that you don't know who i'm talking about because there are just dozens of them acting but it is sarah michelle geller in simply irresistible (gasps) buffy summers Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And you know, Chelsea, the fastest way to a vampire's heart might be with a wooden stake, but the fastest way to get to a man's heart is through his stomach with a magic crab. And that's all I'm going to say. What? You'll find out on next week's episode of Love at First Screening. Tune in every Wednesday. We launch it at 6 a.m. Unless I goof and launch it at 7 a.m. For which her business partner with control issues gets angry. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. Well, Chelsea, this has been just an absolute time. And I will say that while Matthew McConaughey is very sexy, 
He wasn't in this film. Definitely wasn't. If you have a differing opinion, you can send us an email at love at firstscreening at gmail.com. You can also request that we watch a different Matthew McConaughey flick or really any rom-com of your choosing. However, by sending us an email and requesting that we watch something, you are agreeing to the fact that we might absolutely hate it and tear it to shreds on the air. (laughs) With that, thank you so much for joining us. We're here every Wednesday talking about all the rom-coms that you love, love to hate, and everything in between. Until next time. 